Welcome to Gunfighter Cast. I'm Daniel Shaw. This episode, I'm going to talk about the AK-47. Kicking it old school here, going all by myself, solo for this episode. Couldn't get John on board to talk about the AK. He said that he hates the AK, and he hates everyone who uses the AK-47. So send him lots of hate mail. That's at john at gunfightercast.com. Said he didn't even want to do this show because he hates it so much. I'm kidding, but you can still send him hate mail just for the fun of it. But before we start talking about the AK-47, I'm going to invite you guys to come join us over at the Blanchard Media Group uh, website. It's called Freedoms Network, and all it is is basically similar to similar to Facebook. It's just a community of just people who listen to podcasts, read blogs, into the gun culture, the responsible ownership of firearms, very heavily moderated, just basically a group of uh, of us together and it's kind of a it's a good form i was kind of questionable about it to begin with but after playing around with it for a while i really believe that uh, it does a lot of things and and opens a lot of doors that a regular forum on most uh, you know forum websites can't really do a little more personalization and i like that and you get over there and check it out and i'll post a link in the show notes so you can go see it and it's all over the facebook page of course but uh, we're glad to be there and uh, it should be a good step for Gunfighter Cast and move us forward with some of the goals that John and I have. Please come join us there and uh, post in our group on the Freedoms Network. Also got to mention uh, Aries Gear, who's been helping us out a lot, and me specifically. Jake over there at Aries Gear really hooked me up. He already had the uh, tan on Black Ranger belt. You can see that sexy belt in a video I just posted. You can see the same one in a video John just posted as well. John is a movie star now. He's doing videos for SIG. That's how awesome he is. He's too good to do them for Gunfighter Cast, but he'll do them for SIG. Uh, I don't know why. I, th- I think I think they pay him more than I do. Maybe that's what it is. I'm about to work on that. But I'll post links to those, and you can see those on Facebook as well. We posted them up there. If you join us on the Gunfighter Cast Facebook page or at the Freedoms Network. Uh, but that's the the tan on black Ranger belt, and it's a awesome looking belt and very very stiff. Basically the perfect belt. You've heard John and I talk about it before. Love it. I was talking to Jake. A couple of people have told me, why am I wearing this belt in uniform? And I have to explain to them that uh, I do what I want. That usually doesn't go over very well. But Jake was kind enough to hook me up with a belt that uh, matches you know, my martial arts belt. It's what we wear in the Marine Corps. What level of Marine Corps martial arts you're at, you wear a belt. The color of that level. And uh, he hooked me up with a belt. And so now no one can yell at me anymore. So uh, thanks for that, Jake. I like these belts so much. Aries Gear is a sponsor, but can't go to that well too many times. But I, I like it so much. I, I just got an uh, email message saying that my Raven concealment holsters for myself and the one for my wife have finally shipped after about seven months. Yay. So I told Jake I needed a pink belt, a Ranger belt, with a pink one-inch nylon on the black uh, Ranger belt. And he's making that for me, or for the wife. I'm not going to wear it with my skinny jeans, John. You know, that's a joke, right? I don't really have skinny jeans. Would never, ever be caught in a pair of skinny jeans. But anyway, go check out Aries Gear. You will be incredibly happy with that belt. Probably be the last belt you ever buy. I say probably because you may want another Ranger belt in a different color. Well, enough of all that stuff. Let's start talking about the AK-47. A little history on the Avtomata Kalashnikov AK-47. Origin was in somewhere around 1941 during World War II. A tank sergeant, actually. Uh, it wasn't a gun manufacturer or anything. Mikhail Kalashnikov, uh, he was injured on the front lines so over on the Eastern Front. And when his tank was hit by some German artillery round, he went on some convalescence and uh, took a little break to recover from his injuries. 
And while he was there, he entered a small arms competition that was being held by the Soviets to basically to improve their battle rifle. Uh, he was jumped into this because he was previously, uh, he, he made a few different modifications and stuff that uh, got him some awards for the T-34 tank. He was able to get into this competition and he came up with a submachine gun design that uh, looked like it was going to be pretty decent, but it ended up uh, being a little bit too complicated. Uh, and the production time was going to just take way, way too long. So didn't want to jump into that one. Uh, they didn't buy off on that first submachine gun. Kind of looked a little bit like a, uh, a Thompson in a way. It ended up being beat by uh, the PPS-43, which was a lot easier to make. They could make them a lot faster, and it was pretty easy for the uh, conscripts to go out there and pick up and, and use without you know, very much education or training on. If you go forward a few years, uh, around 1944, the Soviets have gotten a lot of uh, German weapons. They had captured them, you know, recovered them from firefights uh, when they've killed some Germans. He was looking at these and trying to see how they work and uh, ended up being one of the major influence on the AK-47 was actually the uh, the Sturmgewehr 44, which has been known as the father of all modern assault rifles. Kalashnikov started working on a few different designs, and uh, first couple of attempts weren't so great. I had to make a few changes on uh, his first automatic Kalashnikov that he came out with. After those changes were made, kind of went into the full production model. And that one was ended up calling the Automata Kalashnikov Obstrex. I'm sure I'm not saying that right, so any Russians out there, by all means, please correct me. They actually even took the design of the cartridge that the Sturmgewehr shot, which was a 7.92 by 33 Kurtz, just shortened. They had basically taken a 7.92 by 57 Mauser and shortened its cartridge length. Based on that, that's where the Soviets ended up coming up with that 7.62 by 39. The AK-47 itself was actually not ready for production until 1949, and sometime uh, around the mid-50s, it was in uh, in use for pretty much most all of the infantry uh, for the former Soviet Union and many other communist nations. At the time, the original had a milled receiver, and they pumped out so many of these that this is one that you see all over the place. This was the base model that was basically used as a template from then on uh, to make the many different variants that are out there that we'll talk about a little bit later on. For a while, Kalashnikov denied that he took uh, uh, the information and based it, you know, somewhat on the Sturmgewehr 44. Later on, he admitted that uh, it was a major influence. Uh, just some general characteristics of the AK-47. Obviously, country of origin is going to be Russia. Uh, shoots 7.62 by 39 cartridge. Normally uses a 30-round box magazine. You can get some different magazines for the AK, depending on what you, how many you want and how long you want that magazine to be, basically. Uh, it's gas-operated uh, using a long-stroke piston. Max effective range is about 300 meters. Shoots about 600 rounds a minute. And its overall length is 34.6 inches. And the barrel length is 16.3. And dry, it weighs about uh, 8.3, 8.5 pounds. A few faults with it. The bolt doesn't lock back to the rear like our favorite AR-15 does when our magazine goes empty. That's a really good thing to have. Uh, not having that, I consider it a fault in modern weapons today. It's got a very, very short sight radius, so any minor imperfection in the sights are greatly amplified. Having a little bit longer sight radius would uh, help that gun out quite a bit in its accuracy. And it's got an unprotected gas tube. That gas tube up front that actually feeds the gas into that to initiate the long stroke piston system uh, is exposed and could be banged up and beat pretty easily there. It's a very thin piece of uh, metal up there. Strange enough, the sights on the AK... Uh, are marked up to 800 meters and they go up to 800 meters 
but the weapon is not capable of 800 meters accuracy. That's on the AK-47, and it actually goes up to 1,000 meters on the AKM. And it's generally believed that uh, this is so that on the battlefield someone picks it up, uh, an enemy combatant, and looks at it and uh, thinks that they're not safe a click away. So uh, it's kind of a morale killer, I guess you could say. That's pretty much it for you know general characteristics that we can go over in an audio podcast without pointing out different parts and aspects of the weapon itself. One variant you may see is the AKS, the Avatamana Kalashnikov Sklodnoy. I'm sure, again, I'm not saying that right. Uh, but that one somewhere around the 50s came in. The S stands for stock. Basically added a double strut metal stock to the AK-47. Uh, this is an underfolding stock. You press a button on the side and uh, it'll fold under and fold back. It was used mostly with uh, Russian airborne and uh, some mechanized troops. One problem with this design was uh, not being able to really manipulate the safety and fire selector lever on the right-hand side when that stock was in its forward position. So that was uh, kind of ungood. Uh, in 1959, the AK was then modernized and became the AKM. Ended up replacing those original AK-47s. Uh, it's basically an AK, just a regular old AK, but just had some modifications in it. The M, like I said, stands for modernization. You may see some of those with a spoon-type compensator, where the spoon's kind of down to the right. That way, you know, a right-handed shooter's firing this thing, and it decreases the jump angle by sending that gas out in a different direction and, and the theory is to keep the muzzle down a little bit. This is where the sights were also changed to 1,000 meters, I guess, to kill that morale a little bit more. Also, they went with a stamp metal receiver and got rid of the milled receiver and made the weapon a little bit lighter, a little bit easier for everybody to carry around for you know long periods of time. And it also resulted in uh, the weapon being able to be mass-produced very, very quickly because uh, just made production time a little bit shorter. You also may see an AKMS out there, which is basically an AKM, uh, which has that stamp folding double strut stock that just folds underneath. Moving ahead a few more years, uh, around 1976, full production began the AK-74. The whole premise behind the 74 was the Russians were getting some intelligence on the ballistics and uh, the efficiency of the M16 we were using in that 5.56. And they were seeing that this lighter round could be cheaper to produce, could be faster to produce, easier to carry, less weight, logistics behind moving those to the battlefield were a little bit easier and they were they were seeing the good ballistic results of our rounds hitting bad guys so they wanted to develop something that could counter that and have a small bore high velocity cartridge for themselves basically is an ak-47 but uh changed a few different features on it it actually has a true compensator that greatly reduces that muzzle climb and recoil some say it's uh one of the best out there uh, this The AK-74 actually shoots the 5.45 by 39 round. These are generally lighter, a little bit smaller. Usually have some plastic parts and plastic magazines that even make it even more lighter than the previous wood ones that we'd see on the AK-47. And it's much more accurate than the AK-47. You're easily hitting targets out to 500 with that 74. And it's now the standard issue for Russian military troops. And the AK-74 itself has a few different variants, like the AK-74U, which... Uh, it's commonly known to Russians as Suchka. I said that with a Japanese accent, I don't know, because I live in Japan, which actually means little bitch. Another name you may hear for it is uh, Krinkov, meaning short, because it is much shorter carbine version. A uh, little bit newer versions out there now of the AK. You got the AK-100 series, and that could be 7.62 by 39, 5.45 by 39, 5.56 by 45. It's not as common as, as the AK-47 and the other the variants, but uh, it is out there. 
Uh, if you're interested, short little run through. Uh, AK-101, it shoots the 5.56 NATO. Uh, the 102 is a short barrel, 5.56 NATO. The 103 is a 7.62 by 39. And the 104 is 7.62 by 39 with a short barrel. And 105 is also a short barrel, 5.45 by 39. And the 107 is a dual piston system, 5.45 by 39. And the 108 is a also a dual piston system, shooting 5.56 NATO. If you're gonna, if you got an AK out there and you want to zero the thing, uh, you want to do it at 25 meters. Set your rear sight to 100. Make sure you got that uh, KSAT, the Kalashnikov sight adjustment tool. You can pick those up at most gun shows, order them online. Uh, and just remember that uh, each full rotation of that front sight post is 5 centimeters at 25 meters. And each millimeter of movement of the windage knob is 6.5 centimeters at 25 meters. Moving that front sight post clockwise will move the post down, which causes the strike of the round to come up. Uh, and vice versa if you need to go the other way. Pushing the windage knob or the windage drum left, that's going to move the strike of the round to the right. And again, the opposite if you want to go the other way. Now, I've played with AKs quite a bit throughout the years, but uh, never owned one. And I believe you don't truly know a gun until you own one. So I'm looking at buying one, but I'll talk a little bit more about that here in a few minutes. Uh, I recently went to a course in Virginia. Uh, it was a foreign weapons instructor course, and I learned numerous foreign weapons uh, that have been used throughout history and are still used currently in various theaters. You know, I thought I knew the AK a little bit before I got there, but I just really learned a heck of a lot more and got quite a bit of trigger time behind it. Learned a heck of a lot more than I already knew. Some people call it M4 appreciation because, you know, the more you shoot these other guns, the more you do learn to appreciate your M4. I truly agree with that because I, I do truly appreciate my M4 after doing all that. But that being said, I do not mind an AK. I would not hesitate at all a battlefield pickup. Uh, if I needed to go to an AK, I would not uh, have any qualms about it. Uh, you get a good one, it's going to run reasonably accurate. It's not quite as accurate as my M4. Still, it's got good good accuracy for most of the ranges that we're fighting at right now. Just to talk a little bit about that accuracy, people say it's not accurate at all. We actually shot the Marine Corps rifle qualification, and that's done at the 200-yard line, 300-yard line, and 500-yard line. And I ended up going to the 100-yard line, and I had a gun that's been, I don't know how old it was, crazy old, been shot a thousand, gazillion, bazillion times, who knows. You know, it was all beat up and worn out, but it ran good, didn't have any trouble. We started out at the 100-yard line, just uh, confirming a BZO, some slightly smaller than a man-sized target, what we're shooting at, and uh, I hit 10 out of 10 in vital kill areas of the smaller than man-sized target that I was shooting at. So 10 out of 10 at 100 yards with no trouble at all. I uh, went back to the 200-yard line and ended up hitting 22 out of 25. And some of that could have been, you know, shooter error. But uh, I would reasonably believe if I went back and, you know, practiced a little bit more with the AK, I would easily be hitting 25 out of 25 at that 200-yard line with no issue. The weapon is capable. Went back to the 300-yard line. I hit 14 out of 15. And, again, I that could have been something I did on that one shot. I do not blame the gun. I think I could hit all 15 out of 15. I went back and did it again a couple times. No trouble. Just a little more practice. 500-yard line, that's when you see the accuracy really starting to degrade. I usually get all my shots in with my M4 or M16 at the 500-yard line. Here I shot 6 out of 10 with the AK. That's still 10 shots, and I got 6 hits on a smaller than man-sized target at 500 yards. I don't think that's too shabby, if you ask me. Uh, That weapon is capable of hitting man-sized targets at 500 yards. And this was with stock iron sights, the ones that came on it. No modifications whatsoever. So what that means to you is if you are hearing a lot that the AK is just not accurate and 
you analyze your life and your need for, for this weapon or need for uh, a semi-auto rifle, uh, whether you're trying to decide on an AR or an AK, if you realize whenever you're checking this out and thinking that you're never going to need to take a shot over 300 yards, the AK is going to serve you just as well. I, I think the AK is not going to have any issue whatsoever. You're trying to hit man-sized targets or uh, small game or whatever it is you're shooting at out there, 300 yards, a little practice, very, very capable. If you need accuracy at four or 500, then you might want to start leaning toward that AR again. But uh, if you're if you're 300 and in and you're kind of on the fence, save you a little cash, go with that AK. Of course, there are many other factors that come into it, but if accuracy is your main thing, there you go. But uh, that, that was just my uh, my experience recently with the accuracy of the AK. Before I end this up, I'm going to answer a few questions that were asked on Facebook whenever uh, we let everybody know that we're going to do this show or that I'm just going to do this show. Hope everybody doesn't mind. They posted on Facebook, so we're reading it on the episode here. All right, uh, Chris Johnson asks, in your respective careers with law enforcement and the Marines, did either of you do anything with the AK? How did you feel it performed compared to the AR and some non-AR platforms? Uh, FAL, M14, FN SCAR, or Mark 16? Again, if I've got getting ready to go to a gunfight and I have an M4 and an AK sitting there and same amount of ammunition for both, I'm grabbing my M4. That's my go-to gun that I've carried for years, used for years, know it inside and out. Uh, there's absolutely no hesitation with problem-solving any issue that may come up with the gun. I'm picking the M4. My next choice, other than FAL, M14, SCAR, Mark 16, probably going to go with the AK. Uh, it also depends on a few other things. You know, what range am I going to be shooting at? What am I going to be doing? Talk before, you know, I really like the M14. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the right arm of the free world, the FAL either. Uh, those are all good guns. I haven't got much experience with the FN SCAR. Never actually even shot one. Play with one a little bit, but never actually pulled the trigger on one. Doesn't seem like it solves many problems that the M4 has. Seems like it's an M4, just a bulkier version to me. Not incredibly impressed with it. And a lot of people that I respect uh, in the Marine Corps that have messed with them extensively uh, do not seem to care for them at all. I guess that's the answer. Thanks for asking that, Chris. Jamie Robertson. What would make a good economical reflex sight for an AK, considering it's an AK? It probably isn't worth it to put top dollar sight on it. Well, depends. Are you going with an AK because it's economical? And I'll tell you, that's what sold me on the AK. It is economical. Now, the one I'm going to buy isn't the most economical AK, and I'll talk a little bit more about that here in a few minutes. But what is economical with the AK is a 76.62 by 39 round. Very, very affordable. I'm planning on getting one of those and getting the wife a 74 later on. That way we can go out and actually afford to have fun at the range and play and have a good time uh, and get some training. The other aspect of that is I get to learn that gun inside and out and, you know, use it constantly. You know, I can afford to go train with that 7.62 by 39. I can't afford to go train with a 308. I can't afford to go train with 5.56. It's just that there's a, quite a price difference out there. Uh, and some of this ammo is pretty good stuff for very cheap. If you're going for, you know, economical, there's there's a few sites out there I've been looking at recently, Vortex and uh there's some Bushnell stuff that's getting this kind of cheap that looks like it's pretty good. Burris, I haven't had a lot of experience with them. My question would be if any of you guys are using them, how well do they hold a zero and can they get beat up a little bit and still be okay? If the answer to those things are yes, then those are probably going to be good optics to go with. I don't know, I can't give you that answer right now, but what I'm considering putting on mine and I'm kind of leaning toward the most is uh putting a Trigicon Reflex and trying to find an older used one or something and putting that on there. Uh, if I have to buy one of the new ones, it's about 400 bucks. I might be able to get a little bit cheaper, 
But uh, that's what I'm planning on putting on mine right now is uh, Trigicon Reflex. I hope that answers your question. I don't really have a specific optic to tell you to go buy. As like I said, I haven't played with any many of the cheap ones. Uh, Adam Fultz asks, uh, for a guy that wants to buy an AK, I don't really know where to start because I've heard quality of AKs that can be found very widely. I know about U.S. Palm, but they are pricey in the level of an AR-type rifle. How about a recommendation on where to go to get a good mid-level AK? Thanks. Download you guys every time I check iTunes. Thanks for downloading, Adam. Glad you do. Glad everybody's joining us and downloading this listing. I've looked at quite a few different companies here recently, and I've looked at accessories that I need to buy through other companies. And I like building my own gun. I like doing that with ARs. But I've really decided that whenever I go with this AK, and I've already called the company, so when I give it back, it's going to happen. We're going to kick it off. And I'm going to order this gun, and we're going to pick one up. But I'm going to go ahead and get an I.O. Incorporated AK-47. And I'm going to get the one that's called the Hellhound Tactical. And I'll throw a link to it up on the show notes so you can check it out. This thing comes with everything I want on it, except the optic. That's all I need to do is put an optic on this thing. It's got a, a rail system in the front so I can throw a light on it and a foregrip. And it's got a flat top so I can put that, that reflex sight. Of course, it's not going to be right there on the dust cover. It's a little bit forward. But I think that's going to work out good with that uh, no-scope shadow, unlimited eye relief type optic. And similar, kind of keeping with the scout scope concept in a way. Not exactly the scout scope concept, actually, obviously. But uh, I think it's going to work really good. And I've uh, presented you know, and, and messed with a few, got on the sights a few times with a optic similar to that on an AK. And uh, I thought it was very fast and uh, could be very quick. Considering the, uh, the distances that uh, this would be useful for me, I don't think I'm going to need any kind of powered magnification or anything like that on the optic. Uh, I just want a red dot and something that's uh, maybe a, a couple of minutes of angle dot uh, on the front up there just so for just faster close range target acquisition. And that's what I'm going for. Take it out there, run it, learn it, beat it up, have a new gun that I can enjoy and go out there and shoot with pretty cheap ammo. Now, of course, there's a lot more things we could talk about and companies that are out there and things with the AK. I know this is a very comprehensive. Just want to talk a little bit about history, a little bit about general characteristics, you know, how to zero it. You know, some things that I'm looking at in my experiences with the AK. If you have any experiences that are different than mine or, uh, you know, have more than that, I'm sure plenty of you out there that own AKs have a heck of a lot more experience with the AK than I do. I'm hoping to change that soon. But by all means, uh, send us something on the Facebook page. You join us in discussion over Freedoms Network in our group which is where our uh, forum is. So come talk to me about it and uh, school me up. And if you know of a company out there that is better than IO Incorporated and can put me together a gun that's basically like I described that I want, then I would love to hear about it. Please, your feedback is not only welcome, but it is wanted, needed, and encouraged. Again, thanks for joining me on this episode of Gunfighter Cast. Sorry John wasn't here. He hates all you AK people. And while you're on the internet at Freedoms Group, Go ahead and hit up Aries Gear. Tell them we sent you. Pick you up a belt or something from uh, Aries Gear. But again, thanks for downloading, listening, and subscribing. And always glad to have you here with me. Kind of fun doing it again by myself. Kind of out of practice on the by myself thing. Uh, used to having John flowing back and forth. Thanks again for being with me. And until next time, Gunfighter Cast out.